You're listening to The Souvenir Shop, a podcast about random objects from the past. Number 8. The Neighbours A rather fancy blue leather-bound copy of the King James Bible sits on my shelf. I have no idea where it came from, perhaps from my brother's school or in a job lot of second-hand books. Purely out of interest, I read it some years ago. If you haven't yet dived into the Bible, then regardless of faith, you really should, because the authorised version is as integral to Western culture as anything by Shakespeare, Mozart or Picasso. From memory, Job, Esther and Daniel are all rattling good yarns. The Song of Solomon is slightly racy. The prophets, Isaiah, Ezekiel and the rest, outstay their welcome, and the four Gospels can't seem to agree on what really happened. In common with the rest of my immediate family, I am agnostic. I would say I'm atheist, but what would God think? My parents made a lame attempt to get my older brothers to attend Hebrew classes as children, because at the very least, mum and dad wanted them to know, if they grew up to be non-believers, precisely where they came from and what they were rejecting. But by the time it came to me, they had given up on any pretense of theological integrity. So I can recite the first line of a few Jewish prayers, but my knowledge of ancient Hebrew today is functionally zero. During the 1960s, we lived in a block of nine council flats in Linscott Road, Hackney. A small street, unremarkable but for the fact that the Salvation Army Congress Hall, with its magnificent Corinthian portico, stood at its end, hard by our block. This was no ordinary meeting hall. It was a vast complex surrounding a venue seating 5,000 people. Imagine the O2 at the end of a small working-class side street, and you will get an idea of how out of proportion the Congress Hall was with its surroundings. Every Sunday evening, a marching band made its way along Linscott Road to the main entrance playing the usual Sally Army hymns. The brass players up front, followed by the bass drum, followed by the ladies in bonnets with choreographed tambourines, followed by a motley group of little boys, myself included, excitedly marching and miming trumpets and trombones. Once the festivities ended, a friendly old lady in uniform handed us some boiled sweets and picture cards depicting the life of the saviour. One day, the old lady asked us if we would like to come in and hear some stories with the promise of more sweets and maybe a glass of squash. She led us to a cosy anteroom decorated with biblical posters where a young woman in civvies told the story of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego as we chewed on our complimentary fruit salads. On returning home, my worried parents went apoplectic once I told them where I'd been. They informed me, rather unconvincingly, that we were Jewish and didn't attend Sunday school or any other Christian event. Understandably, though, they were concerned at how easily the neighbours inveigled me into a religious meeting at the age of six without their consent. These days, I'm reasonably sanguine about the Salvation Army. Yes, its uniforms and tambourines and Victorian institutionalism were and are faintly ridiculous. But no one can doubt their commitment to those at the bottom who the rest of society has abandoned. In fact, I have only one memory to push against their selfless, pious image. One Saturday night, 
the joystrings came to play the Congress Hall. In the strange melting pot of 1960s British music, the joystrings were the in-house Salvation Army pop group, who had a surprise 1964 top 20 hit with It's an Open Secret. Their chart success and Godslot TV appearances in full uniform made them a huge PR success for the Salvation Army, and they continued to record and tour for the rest of the decade. The Diamond family didn't know the joystrings were booked to play at the hall next door. At least, we had no idea until returning home that evening to find the band's entire fan base render Linscott Road impassable. Slowly, my dad managed to drive his Ford Zephyr 4 towards our block and the side entrance, where for an extra ten shillings a month, he had his own lock-up garage. The crowd weren't exactly mods and rockers, and helpfully moved to either side as the car made its way. It was only when we got to the garage entrance that Dad saw it was blocked. In full dress uniform, a grumpy-looking Salvation Army general was locking the door to his shiny black Rolls-Royce Silver Ghost, having parked on the street right in front of the driveway. The general ignored the now insistent honking from our car, so Dad got out to remonstrate with him. After a short exchange, he returned to the car looking nonplussed. What did he say? asked Mum. Dad turned round and glanced at his three young sons in the back seat. I'll, I'll tell you later. Decades passed before I mentioned to Mum what took place on the night of the joystrings, and she filled me in on the details. It appears that the conversation with the general went something like this. Excuse me, I know it's a small street and there's a lot going on, but you've parked your car right across the entrance to my garage. Would you be so kind as to move somewhere else? Fuck off, said the general. For the only time I remember, Dad was speechless. We parked in the next street. Thinking about it now, despite the profanity from a senior man of the cloth, Despite even the paradox of a man at the head of a church devoted to helping the poor driving a vintage roller, I can't help having some sympathy with the general. He was probably looking forward to a quiet Saturday night in with a mug of Bonvita and Billy Cotton on the telly, but instead had to endure yet another live performance of the joystrings playing a medley of their hit. By the time Dad caught him parking in front of our garage, the general was a man at the end of his tether. It's comforting to know that everyone, even a top brass in the Salvation Army, has their breaking point. That was The Neighbours, written and read by Matthew Diamond. If you enjoyed this, then why not hit like and subscribe on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. And I'll see you next time.